As you're turning there, we had someone contact us and uh, that has a huge dining room table. There's no chairs, but uh, anyway, it's free. It's got two leaves that are 16 inches each. And so this thing makes out to about 100 inches long. Anyway, there's some copies out in the foyer. If you're interested in that, the phone number, contact, information's available, and it's free. So if somebody would like a, a dining room table, uh, that is an opportunity. All right, Luke chapter number 9, and we're going to read responsively verse 37 to 42. And so let's look at this together tonight. Bible says, and it came to pass that on the next day when they were come down from the hill, much people met him. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him that he foameth again, and bruising him hardly departing, uh, departeth from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answering said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. And as he was yet a coming, the devil threw him down and tear him, and Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. Every time you're up on a mountain, there's always a valley that you have to descend back down into. The disciples were with the Lord just the day before on top of the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw the Lord transfigured from his, his earthly body into his glorified body. Can you imagine what that would have been like? I, I put myself, as I read the Bible, I try to put myself in uh, the story and imagine what it would, would have been like. Moses shows up, Elijah's there, and, and now the Lord is, uh, he, he is there uh, in a glorified body, and I have no idea of what that would have been like. I've tried to put my, myself there, and I can't imagine or envision what that would have been. I can imagine seeing Moses. I can imagine seeing Elijah. But the Lord in his glorified body, would was it just light? And that's all I can imagine is light. But here we have them up on top of this mountaintop. And the next day they come down into a valley to where the people were. We meet with God so we can go down and share what we saw. And as they come back down, they run into an individual whose son was, was demon-possessed. It doesn't get much more of a valley than having a child that's demon-possessed. The father said it was his child, later his son. Well, you can be a, a grandparent and have a child, and they could be 60 years old. But later it goes on, and it, Jesus refers to the child. 
So we know that this was a young person that was possessed of the devil. Tonight I want to speak to you on the subject, children need the Lord. Children need the Lord. And let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd help us this evening. Uh, Lord, we are so blessed with the children's ministries that we have and uh, the workers, children's workers. What a blessing uh, that we, we have so many wonderful workers and what a blessing that that is. But Lord, there are a lot more that still need to be reached. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, to look into our own lives, our own family, our own friends. I pray that you would help us to catch a glimpse of what this dad was going through and what we can do about it. And so I pray that you'd bless now, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. You can be seated. They come down off of the mountaintop and they come down to a problem. You come down uh, from the mountaintop and you have real people and you have real problems and you have real needs. That's where we live. We don't live on the mountaintop. We live where real life goes on. On the mountaintop, you're not thinking about cancer. On the mountaintop, you're not thinking about financial reversals. When you're on the mountaintop, you're not worried about a recession. You're not worried about uh, a car breaking down. You're not worried about uh, security of a job. You're not worried about anything. You're up on the mountaintop, and you're with the Lord. Everything is good. But then we come back down to the real life. And the mountaintop is real life. But what we get on the mountaintop is what enables us to live the life of faith when things get hard. It's where we see God work. It's where we, we grab a hold of the truths of God. This uh, yesterday at men's Bible study, we had 16 men at 6.30 in the morning show up uh, to study God's Word. What a blessing. I mean, that's on purpose. People showing up for Bible study at 6.30 in the morning. That's, and I know it doesn't work for everybody's schedule, uh, but what, what a blessing. We're looking at the will of God. You know, God's will is being done right now he said, oh, pastor, the world, everything's falling apart. That's probably what Daniel was thinking when he was put in shackles, being sold, taken away as captive. But later we see how God had put him there to accomplish something great. We see Joseph thrown in a pit. And his family, his brothers hating him to the fact that they were going to kill him. And then instead of killing him, they thought, man, we can at least get some money out of this guy. That's an older brother for you. And they sold him off, and for all of these years, he was, he was a slave. He was wrongly accused. He was imprisoned. And you go from Genesis 
39, and then you go to Genesis 45, and all of a sudden you see how God had meant it for good. Look at Genesis 50, and he meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Joseph, at hindsight, was able to look at the trying times of his life and see God's will. You know what? We might not see what God's will is right now in all of the confusion and chaos, but God's will is being done. Amen. With, with that, it should give us comfort. We, we see it all through Scripture. People come through some hard times, and then you, you see the hand of God and how he worked to bring about something good. Uh, why don't we think God is doing the same thing right now? Same God. His will is being accomplished. And we might not see it in our lifetime, but we can know that it's true. And our faith should be strengthened in God. Just knowing, no matter what we go through, that God's in control. And I'm thankful for that. But here we, we look at this man, and the devil, uh, it doesn't get any more real than the devil possessing your child. I'm fearful. I'm truly concerned for the next generation. I am, I, I feel like I am more concerned about many of our people's children than our parents are. And that, that scares me. We look around at the world around us and we see the spiritual battles on every hand and we act as if we're not in a spiritual warfare. We are. This is spiritual warfare. We, we've got to, to understand our our great need for God. Our great need for God. Not our little need for God. Our great need for God. I need the Lord. You need the Lord. And our kids, they need the Lord. They absolutely, they need the Lord. The great need for any, any individual is the Lord. And oftentimes we look at that and we just think about salvation. It's, there's still a whole life to live after salvation. And just because someone gets saved does not mean that they are going to live a blessed life. And I want to see our kids live a blessed life. I want to see them live the life that they can enjoy the hand of God in their life, the touch of God in their life, seeing and experiencing the Lord working. And uh, there's, there's nothing greater than being a Christian. There's nothing greater. There's nothing greater than being in God's will. 
And I'm, I, am, I am so thankful. I know that I know that I know I am right where God wants me to be. If I did not know that, I'm out of California. But I know this is where God wants me. And in that, there, there is not a concern about what's happening in California because I know God has me here for a purpose. I'm not looking for an exit strategy. Why? Because I know I'm right where God has placed me. And if I'm where God wants me to be, I'm in the safest place that I could ever be in. And so the great need for any individual is the Lord. The great need for any home is the Lord. The great need for any church is the Lord. The great need for any community is the Lord. The great need for any country is the Lord. And, and we need uh, the Lord, not just for salvation, that eternal destination, but for the salvation of a life. Brother Hiles wrote a, a book uh, and it was entitled, Salvation is More Than Being Saved. And it is. The gospel is, is not just the death, burial, resurrection. When Paul preached the gospel, he wasn't just preaching a message of salvation. He was pre preaching the message of faith. And so the gospel, it included uh, all of the truths of God's word. And, uh, and, and so that gospel, it is life-changing, and we need the Lord. Uh, but to even grasp that concept, uh, take your Bible, go to John 15. I'm looking at that clock back there, and you guys better hurry up uh, because we're running out of time already. John chapter 15, look at verse number 4. John chapter 15 and verse number four, the Bible says, Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. He didn't say you couldn't do anything great or you couldn't do anything magnificent. He said, without me, you can do nothing. Just as that branch that has been pruned off of that tree and it drops to the ground, it is not going to bear fruit. It is not going to continue to produce. And, uh, and the, the Lord uh, is... is, is uh, our connection with the Lord and our uh, staying abiding in Him is the only opportunity that we have to be able to be uh, used of Him. So our life, our breath, our thoughts, our desires, our purposes, our cares, our talents, uh, our abilities, with the without the Lord, we can do nothing. So with that, I... I want us to look at several things. I've got uh, eight points tonight. Uh, no, I've got nine points tonight. Uh, so uh, four original points and then another five on top of that. Uh, so I want to look at several things about children needing the Lord. Because if we are not where we are supposed to be, they cannot be where they need to be. The kids are over in uh, kids club right now because you're, you brought them. But if the 
parents aren't bringing them, they don't have that opportunity. And not everybody in here has children over there, but we all have, we all have to be invested in children. We all have to be invested in reaching that next generation. I, I'm invested in my grandkids. I'm invested in my kids. I'm invested in my grandkids. And I'm invested in your children. I'm invested in the children that come in on the buses. I'm invested in the children that don't come yet. I want to reach the kids before we have to reach them in the jail. Children need the Lord. So I want to, I want to just address that. Uh, number one, spiritual wickedness is everywhere. Spiritual wickedness is everywhere. You say, well, pastor, how does this tie back? I think about this man who comes to Christ and he comes to the disciples and his little boy is demon-possessed. Why is it that we think that would never happen to us? Why is it that we think that would never happen to kids that go to church? I have a sneaky suspicion that it's more wicked today than it was in that man's day. And with that, we, have get, we don't even have we don't even have the perspective that demon possession and demon oppression is even going on. Uh, it's almost like we, we have blinders on. The, the term spiritual warfare is just a term. It's just, it's just, symbol, it's just a symbolism. But it's not symbolism, it's real. And the, there is spiritual wickedness everywhere it's everywhere and the devil has more opportunities today to get to the the, ch the children than he's ever had how many times do we give a child this right here oh they're just looking at cartoons who's writing the cartoons oh i mean it was it was written for kids yeah, so is the curriculum that they're handing the kids. And I'm not saying that we don't, you wouldn't ever, couldn't ever give, I'm just saying there are so many things that are going on. There are agendas, there are plans, there is spiritual wickedness everywhere. And we have got to be on guard. Uh, just recently, someone was telling me that uh, they had a cartoon on, and in the cartoon, uh, homosexuality was brought up in the cartoon that was for like two and three year olds. Oh, they're just, it's just innocent. It's not innocent. There's an agenda, wickedness, it's everywhere. Ephesians 6, 
uh, verse 12 through 14, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, uh, against spiritual wickedness in high places, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. And we, we have just got to realize we are in spiritual warfare, and if we lose the battle, we lose the kids. Moms, dads, uh, you need to walk with God. And it's not just about you, it is about you, but it's not just about you. It's about those kids that are following you. Grandma and grandpa, you need to walk with God. Why? Because somebody is following, somebody is watching you, and the influence that you have, uh, we've got to stand true. We've got to uh, realize that there is a spiritual battle going on, uh, and, and the devil's after the kids, they, they are just out in full force, not trying to hide it at all. The five different bills that's going on down in the Capitol right now to take away parental rights. The government is now saying that they have to protect the children from their parents. We, we live in a wicked world. And so that spiritual wickedness, principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world. And so uh, we've got to realize that uh, spiritual wickedness is everywhere. Number two, don't wait till the devil has your kids before you try to get them to the, to the Lord. Don't, don't wait till the devil has your kids before you try to, to bring them uh, to Christ. We, we, we have got to be focused on getting our kids to Christ. And we need to do it now. And I praise the Lord. We're bringing our kids to church and we're doing everything that we can. Uh, but there are those that have lost their kids and they wish that they could get them back. And I'm just telling you, uh, we don't know what it's going to do. And everyone has a free moral agency and those, uh, those individuals can make those choices on their own. But we need to be doing everything that we can to get our kids to Christ. Do everything that we can uh, to bring our kids to Christ. Uh, Luke 9, verse 38, he said, And behold, the man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is my only child. Can you imagine, can you sense the, uh, the need in this guy's heart? He, he's looking at his son, his only son. He has been, uh, he is demon-possessed, uh, even as a child. And he's like, he's got to get him to Christ. We've got to make sure that we get our kids to Christ. Not just for salvation, but to where they will be grounded. They will be taught. Their faith will not just be mom and dad's faith. It's got to be their faith. As our kids get to be teenagers, parents... The responsibility gets so much bigger. The battles, they start challenging oftentimes uh, rules and direction. And I don't want to go to church or this or that or the other. I don't want to go to camp and I don't want to go to youth conference and I don't want to go to church and I don't want to go to a youth activity. Uh, if something spiritual is going on, get your kids there. Amen. 
Brother Chris, how was camp this year? It was amazing, wasn't it? Uh, and he, uh, when he came back, he sent me a text just talking about the spirit of camp and how the kids were, uh, they were, they were just listening and learning and uh, the spirit of camp. Uh, and you know what? So many miss out because, eh, it doesn't really matter. It matters. It matters. We've got to get, it, get them as solid as we can get them. There's coming a time when they're going to stand on their own. And we want them to have the strength. We want them to have that faith. We want them uh, to know exactly what they believe and being solid. But we've got to make sure that we are allowing the right influences uh, in their life. Uh, don't, don't have the idea that they're safe just because they're uh, your kids or they're a church kid. They come to church. Uh, that's good enough. That's not good enough. We've got, to, we've got to get them uh, the right influences. We've got to get the, uh, the, uh, as much truth into them as possible. Get them to develop a relationship with Christ. Because without that, the percentages show that they're going to turn away. And we want, we want to see our kids serving the Lord. Don't wait till the devil has your kids before you try to bring them to Christ. The children need the Lord. The teens need the Lord. The devil is after the kids. Number three, it could be your child. Think about that. It could be my child. It could be my child that does not accept Christ. It could be my child that my kids are saved, praise the Lord. But the reality is the devil is after my kids and the devil is after your kids. Nobody is exempt. Could be your child, could be your grandchild. Can't imagine. What turmoil that would be to have your child to be demon-possessed or demon-controlled. The devil is a deceiver. So often I hear, my kids know better. How many of us knew better and made some dumb decisions? The devil is a deceiver. And he is, he is a better deceiver than we are wise. More so than our children. And just the, the attack... And we think, well, you know, the, the devil's not after my kids. He's after your kids. Just because we're in church doesn't mean that our kids are, are safe and they're, they're somehow out of spiritual warfare. The devil is uh, on attack. Uh, and and we, we, we are no match for the deceiver. Uh, the children are not a match for the deceiver. Uh, the, the devil is a deceiver. The devil is a destroyer. 
He's a destroyer. All we have to do is drive down the road. And we see the homeless. We see the broken. We see the addicted. And I'm so thankful that Christ can, he can meet every need. And he can heal and he can give victory and he can break those chains. But every one of those people are somebody's child. Every one of those people are somebody's child that they never envisioned them being on the streets as an addict or sleeping under a bridge or trafficking their body. Everyone is somebody's child. Children need the Lord. We've got to reach them while we can. And so the, the attack is there. Number four, we have to invest in the next generation. We have to invest in the next generation. I, I said it in my prayer, but I am so thankful for our children's ministries. Amen. I'm thankful that we've got a school. Amen. The biggest headache I have is, is the Christian school. But I would, not, I would not change anything. I, I want to have the school. Why? Because it's another opportunity to invest in the kids. It's another opportunity to help build them. It's a tool of discipleship. Uh, we need people to invest in that next generation. We need people to invest in the next generation, in these kids, physically. Uh, it's going to take time. It's going to take time. And he said, Pastor, I'm tired. Me too. But we, it's going to take time. If we're going to reach the next generation, it's going to take time. And somebody's going to have to study for a class. And somebody's going to have to go after those, bus, those kids on the, on the streets and try to get them on the bus. And, and we've got to work on trying to reach uh, the next generation. Somebody's got to work with those teenagers. Amen. Being willing. What a blessing. But it takes time. We need to be investing physically, spiritually, using the talents that God has given us uh, to further his kingdom, to reach people, to make a difference uh, physically, spiritually, and we've got to invest financially. Now, I'm thankful we've got a giving church, and praise the Lord, uh, we've got missionaries on the foreign field. We've got missionaries here stateside. Uh, we've got people that are planting churches. Uh, uh, brother, uh, uh, let's see here from, uh, uh, goodness, I, uh, Brother Herbert, uh, he, he is starting a church in Arkansas. Uh, just the first service was a week ago, two weeks ago. Uh, and what, what a blessing there. Uh, but we, we're, we have missionaries across the, the uh, pond. We've got um, people uh, stateside serving. Uh, but there's, there, is, there is so many things that we need to be doing to reach that next generation right here. Financially. 
I think about the school. School's getting ready to get started. And with that, we, we, need, we need people to give scholarships. And we have some people that give scholarships towards uh, the school. We have had so many people that could not be in the Christian school just because of resources. There are people that did not even attempt to put kids in the school because of resources. We need scholarships. Say, well, I paid for my kids. Well, pay for somebody else's kid now. Gosh, are you serious? Absolutely. You know, in our senior years, we have more resources than we've ever had in our life. And that's not always the case. But if you saved well, it's not like you're wondering where your groceries are coming from. Boy, it got quiet. We've got people that are sitting here tonight that have paid for other kids to go to school for years. Scholarships. We need people to invest in the next generation with endowments. People die and they leave money to hospitals. They leave them to parks. They leave them to save the trees and the whales and everything else. I have been in ministry for 30 years. Out of 30 years and doing over 50 funerals, I have only had two times that somebody left something for the Lord in their death. Oh boy, it's real quiet now. It's amazing. We had a man up in Washington and he left $10,000 out of his will for the church as an endowment. Later we had just recently, it was just not too long since I've been down here they had a family that left over 800000 to the church. They left everything. House, resources, left it all. You know, with that, out of 30 years of ministry and then personally doing 50, over 50 funerals, and that's not counting all the funerals that Brother Mingi did while I was there. Twice. I've probably done over 30 funerals since I've been here. And not one. And I'm not saying that the people that Died were bad people. I'm just saying, that's just the reality. But you know, we we have got to we have got to reach this next generation. 
Do you, we've got to reach that next generation now. And with that, there is an investment. Hey, Pastor, do we have the resources? Bible says that God adds to the body, he adds every member to the body as it hath pleased him. Oh, it's going to get real quiet here in just a second. We're not in stewardship month or anything. And I believe that there is every single resource that we need inside our membership for this body right now. Years ago, years ago, I was preaching and I had said something. I said that uh, the resources that God was going to use was here and it was in your pockets. And we lost somebody over that. But the reality is, I believe that's the case. I believe that's the case. If God's people, if all of God's people were faithful in the tithes and offerings and listened to the Spirit of God in their donations, in their opportunities with endowments, scholarships, however the Spirit of God wants to lead, I think every single financial need would be removed. Years ago, it was about three years ago, and I'm almost done. I got five more points, but I had Brother Valier when he came in to audit the books. I asked him, I said, out of the givers, I said, and I'm not talking about somebody who puts $5 in a year. I'm talking about if they at least give $1,000 a year. I said, I want you to go through and figure out what percentage of our people bring in the most resources. And the number came back that it was like, 6% of the people gave 86% of the income. And when you looked at the, the, the chart, it literally went like this. It was like 10%, you know, 10%, 12%. And then all of a sudden the chart went like this. And majority of everything that came in was from a small percentage of the people. He said, well, these, these percent just didn't have anything to give. No, that ain't the truth. So, so how are we going to invest in that next generation? How are we going to uh, be able to, uh, to reach these uh, people? Because the devil is after our kids. He's after the kids. And churches now are embracing 
adulterous living, homosexuality, the LGBTQ lifestyle. They are embracing altering uh, gender identities and altering genders. Churches are doing that now. We've, we have got to get, we've got to reach our kids with truth. Because if we don't, where are they going to go to church? Where, where, where are the people going to come for truth if we're not reaching that next generation? We have got to reach that next generation. So several things. I've got five, five points real quick. Number one, be faithful. Be faithful to church. Pastor, what can we do? Be faithful. You be where you need to be. Be faithful to church. Take, take in, uh, learn, grow, be faithful to church. Be faithful, number two, in your tithes and offerings. You say, oh, you're trying to get money. No, I just know that without the resources, we have no opportunity to go after the mission. We, we have got to reach children. We've got to reach that next generation. Uh, we've got to reach your, your children, your grandchildren, but we've got to reach uh, those that are all around us. So pray for the kids. Uh, uh, thirdly, pray. Uh, pray. Pray for the kids. Pray for the parents. Pray for the leadership. Pray for the pastor, the teachers, the workers. Uh, I need your prayers. I need your support, uh, but we need prayer. Uh, Brother Doug and I were praying before the service tonight, uh, just asking the Lord to bless. Uh, so, number one, be faithful to church. Number two, be faithful in your tithes. Number three, pray. Number four, be involved. Be involved. You get involved and bring your kids with you. Bring your kids with you. Well, they don't want to come. And? Bring them. Be involved. Number five, look for ways to give. Look for ways to give. I'm not talking about just $5 here and $5 there. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to give an endowment? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to pay for somebody else's tuition? Wouldn't it be great to be able to see one of these bus kids that are coming in and being faithful and mom doesn't come and dad doesn't come and they deal with all the junk all week long uh, of the world and they're coming into church? Wouldn't it be great to be able to just sponsor one of those kids to go to the Christian school? I think if we looked for ways to give, we looked for ways to make a difference. Some could pay for an entire family to go to Christian school and it would do nothing to your financial status. Some it would be an absolute, absolute impossible possibility but you could do something. I'm, I'm just looking around and so many needs. I, 
I, would, I wish that there was not one of our kids that had to go to the public school. Amen. We, we have been blessed. We have got to invest in the next generation. And why do we want to wait till we're dead to do it? Why do we want to wait till, well, you know, maybe I'll leave something later. Man, let's do it now. We only have right now. We look around and we think, man, the Lord's got to be coming back. He might, he might come he might come tomorrow. He might come tonight. So let's do what we can now. We, we need to do everything we can. The devil's after our kids. Children need the Lord. Let's do what we can. Father, I do pray that you'd help us. Lord, thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for uh, our people. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would just give us uh, guidance and direction. I pray that uh, you would help us, Lord, to, to be who we need to be for our children. Help us to lead them and guide them, direct them. Uh, help us to be the influence on somebody else's children and uh, help us to make a difference uh, in their lives. I pray that you'd help us to uh, support the work uh, of the Lord here as we are reaching and endeavoring to reach uh, so many that are uh, you've brought across our path. So help us, please, as we serve you. I pray that you bless each family, uh, bless each home. Uh, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do uh, in and through this message, but I do pray that you would uh, help all of us just to be aware uh, of opportunities uh, that, that we could uh, do to serve you and uh, expand your kingdom and uh, reaching this next generation. So help us tonight. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm not going to have an altar call. But maybe tonight the Lord put his finger on something in your life. You say, Pastor, God, God put his finger on something. And, in, and I'm going to do what I can to follow his leading in my life. It might be to pray. It might be to be faithful. It might be to begin to tithe. It might, it might be to, uh, whether it's in a giving or whether it's in a serving, I don't know what he put his finger on, but say, Pastor, Lord put his finger on something in my life. Nobody's looking around. Just slip your hand up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, I do pray that you'd help us. Uh, our people, we are, uh, we have such a blessed church and a uh, giving family and serving church. Thank you for them. But Lord, I do pray that you'd help all of us to grow. And uh, I pray that you would bless each one that raised a hand and uh, help them, Lord, to uh, follow your leading in their lives and, and help us corporately as a church uh, to do everything that we can uh, to reach the next generation and to continue to do so and to make a difference uh, not just in our own homes, but in our community and in our country. And so I pray that you bless now for Christ's sake. Amen.